But if you consider black people, they only make about 1%. So again, you see those disparities and those biases on both ends where you'll see more women, but when it comes to people of color, you see, you'll see a lesser number. So we have to remember also there's still certain biases and disparities that are happening for women, but also if you add the people of color aspect to it. There's a different type of experience. So again, historically, we can get a peek into the historical measures that has unfortunately trickled into how people see certain individuals in the workforce today. Now more than ever, do we need to understand the language of the team members we support, the people we have personal and professional relationships with? It's not only about cultural diversity, but it's also about understanding different behavior styles, different generational styles. It's so important that we take our communication skills to the next level. And that's why I have created a process. I have a tool that I utilize so you can learn your leadership style because you're not only leading in the household and in your community, you're also leading in the workplace. So go to my website, AishaThomas.org, click on learn your leadership style or shoot me an email at info at AishaThomas.org and let's get your communication skills to the next level so you can communicate to people who don't look like you and also really build up those personal and professional relationships. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And I am continuing this series where we're talking about the importance of diversity in workspaces and companies and organizations. And today we're going to talk about the importance of gender diversity, the importance of having more women in these seats. There's so many research. There's so much information that's out there that highlights how women in leadership roles, women in these executive roles, C-suite roles are so important and beneficial for your businesses, your organizations, and companies. So let's talk about the why, the what, what's going on, why does that lack, and here's some perspectives for some women to really allow us to start considering, are we ensuring that we have diversity, not only in generations, but also looking at making sure that we have women at tables and have gender diversities in our workspace. So get your notepads, get your palm pilots, and let's get into this message. During colonial time, women's work was vastly unappreciated and extremely limited. Wives were expected to stay home, cook, clean, take care of the family, and make their husbands happy. It was socially unacceptable for women to contribute to or participate in the family's finances. That was considered to be the man's job. I don't think that uh, the movement is as relevant to the needs of, of uh, poor women and minority women as it should be, probably because uh, the movement is mostly composed of middle-class women who are naturally concerned with the issues that affect their lives. I mean, when we look at the history of slavery, we have a whole situation where no one cared if you were a woman or not. You had to get out into the field. Or after freedom, no one cared whether you were a woman or not. You had to work to support your, um, your family. So black women, that's one of the problems that women's lib has, I think, in, in relating to the black woman. They, they look at themselves as women, but uh, we've had to look at ourselves as black. So in order for us to have an understanding of the state of women in the workforce today and leadership roles today, 
and the need for that diversity, I think it's important for us to look at the historical, the historical perspectives, because women working, if you're taking it all the way back to the 17th, 18th, 19th century, that was taboo. Women stayed at home. And the ones that did work, they might have growed, you know, they might have been into like growing food or making products that the families bartered or sold for a living or even poor women were working maybe in someone's household to make ends meet. But women working was taboo. It was even the trend that once a woman married, she might have been single, but once she married, she definitely didn't work. So that was the that was the culture in that time. But even if you consider that other aspect of black women, because this is a season when there was slavery. Again, you're talking about the 17th, 18th, 19th century. And even when the Civil War came around, you still had Black people that still had racial discrimination. You had segregation. You even had certain places where they were fighting to say that, listen, we are not going to allow our enslaved to go away. I mean, that's why we just celebrated Juneteenth, because there were still a group of people that were still enslaved during that time that you know, were finally officially set free during Juneteenth. So there were even additional biases and disparities that Black people had to navigate around for them to even get equal opportunities. So I want you to factor that in. Even though I talk about women, we have to realize that there was a different experience with white women than Black women. Even if you consider, I was watching a documentary about redlining and how, uh, you know, discrimination and segregation kind of made its way into how people received homes and were able to purchase homes. And you even see there that there were so many things in place during that time where people had to navigate, Black people had to navigate, even within the, the, the way that they sold homes, they had stipulations that said, you know, people of Moorish descent, people of Asian descent, they there were so many different racial kind of disparities that were going on at that time. So again, when I say women, we still have to consider that there were a pocket of groups of women from certain racial groups that did not have the same opportunities. And even when they were discussing the, the deeds and the information that they were putting in there, it showed that there was more of a pattern towards or against Black people versus the other racial groups. So again, let's factor that in when I talk about women. There were some additional struggles and unfortunate disparities and biases that people of color still were experiencing, even though you had a pocket of women that were starting to navigate into the work workplace when World War I happened. Of course, you saw more women enter into the workforce because their men were out at war. They had to make ends meet. They were stepping into some roles and even manufacturing roles. However, when the men came back, a lot of trade unions and of employers, employers starting to have the conversations about men's men's pay being pushed down and really started to look for assurances that women's wartime work would only be a temporary mean. So as World War II came around again, you saw another rise in the workforce where women started working more. You even saw that women now were serving and they had women in the armed forces. But again, remember those racial biases and those disparities for other group of women, but also you still saw a rise in the workforce because again, the men were out serving the country and the women still had to support in the home front. So you had more women entering into the workforce and that started, you started to see a rise after that. 
So I wanted to bring the historical aspect of it because I think we need to understand that the experiences of women were a lot different. And even today, you don't see a lot of women in these high leadership roles because that might still be the culture and the bias and a lot of minds of people. People have certain type of mindsets and biases that they feel about women versus men. So they might be more likely to hire men. And we'll talk about that in the data and the statistics that's out there. And even if you talk about Fortune 500 CEOs, if you listen to one of my podcasts, about 4% of women make the C- make up the CEOs in those Fortune 500 companies. But if you consider black people, they only make about 1%. So again, you see those disparities and those biases on both ends where you'll see more women, but when it comes to people of color, you still, you'll see a lesser number. So we have to remember also there's still certain biases and disparities that are happening for women, but also if you add the people of color aspect to it. There's a different type of experience. So again, historically, we can get a peek into the historical measures that has unfortunately trickled into how people see certain individuals in the workforce today, where you have an experience that black women are going through that's different from white women. And even, you know, people of other uh, racial backgrounds that are struggling and the, the experiences that they're experiencing in the workforce, it's just different. So again, this gives us a kind of a view of the experiences of women, women of color in regards to the historical means because that allows us to understand that today there's still so much more work to do, so much more work to do to make sure that we start to navigate and get away from these biases because ultimately there is a benefit in diversity in workspaces. It is a benefit for women being in in these roles and we have to start making a shift to change our mindsets and start being more inclusive in our workplaces when it comes to women and women of color in workplaces, specifically in those high tier leadership CEO roles. We still have a problem and it's a real problem. And the problem is this, women are not making it to the top of any profession anywhere in the world. The numbers tell the story quite clearly, 190 heads of state, nine are women. Of all the people in parliament in the world, 13% are women. In the corporate sector, women at the top, C-level jobs, board seats, tops out at 15, 16%. The numbers have not moved since 2002 and are going in the wrong direction. Even in the nonprofit world, a world we sometimes think of as being led by more women, women at the top, 20%. So now let's look at the data. Let's look at the facts and the information that's out there so we can get an understanding of what these studies show about these gender diverse spaces or the lack thereof. So this one here talks about nearly half of people notice a double standard against women candidates. So of both men and women, 40% believe there is a double standard when it comes to hiring men versus hiring women. And that's why I talk about bias and unconscious bias because sometimes people aren't aware that there is a lack of representation and the benefits of women being in these roles. Or maybe they are aware and they just believe men do it better. But there are people who notice, especially women. We notice, we know like there's a double standard or we notice when there is not enough representation. So it is noticed by people who work there. There is, There are people who see this. So it's important that we're bringing this into our awareness so we can make changes and shifts in this area. 
So let's continue. Men are twice as likely to be hired regardless of the hiring man manager's gender. That's the other interesting part. It says a study found that hiring managers, both men and women, are twice as likely to hire a male candidate. So again, it goes back into that unconscious bias. We did a training recently to kind of talk about implicit bias. And there was like a tool where people could go in and they were to do like this test. And they had roles of men and roles of women. And when the role popped up, you had to choose if it was something that a man would do or a woman would do. And a lot of people that took it, it, it ended up showing that unconsciously they normally connect certain roles with women. So the tests show that they had that unconscious bias. And again, that's bringing that to fruition because that is the unfortunate reality. I've been guilty in the past of saying, yes, me, I have said it. Like, yeah, we need men. We have too much estrogen in here. We need a male to come in and like, why did I think that? You know, but again, it's that bias. It's that belief, that belief sometimes that we think that, okay, women are always catty or they're going to come in and it's going to be drama. And that's not the fact because now, you know, just from really just understanding my, my personal biases and being in a group of amazing women we're rocking it like we're good it all goes to personal development and growth that really shapes an organization or how someone leads it had has nothing to do with gender yes we have different experiences and emotions that are different from others but it's really about personal development that will determine the effectiveness of someone being a leader this one was really interesting. It says it's more likely to have a CEO named John or David than to have a CEO who is a woman. Um, out of all the Fortune 500 CEOs, 5.3% are named John and 4.5% are named David. Um, the fact that two male names make up nearly 10% of CEOs you can't help but to consider there's a bias, right? Because again, I told you before that about 4% of the Fortune 500 CEOs are women. So you have 10% that could be named John or David, and they even trump the amount of people or amount of women that are in these roles. And, then, and there's another interesting fact that says women are much more likely to be hired with blind applications. Now, how many organizations do you think are willing to do that? I think that'll be def definitely be beneficial and also allow people to really understand the level of their bias because if you don't have the name and you just have their experience, what would that change? That would literally change the game for women, for anybody in regards to diversity, to black men, black women, uh, people from all different backgrounds, because you're strictly looking at the individual based off their skills and their experience. Um, one study found that when men and women submitted blind applications or auditions for a job, a woman's likelihood of getting the job increased by 25 to 46%. Not only that, women were actually more likely to be hired than men. You know, so that's so interesting to see that the benefits of blind applications, but who's going to do that? Ah, you know, that, that is, that is, some people might have be a little scared to do that, but that, that's the benefit of it. Um, since 2014, more women have obtained four-year college degree each year than men. And again, the goal of this message isn't to say women, women, women are rocking it better than men. It's not that at all. But the reality is there are disparities, disparities. Um, and like I mentioned before, I did a, a, a post on Twitter that we still have companies where, where we're seeing the first women. I mean, we just saw that there was a first woman that um, got a, within the military, she received like a really cool role as a fighter pilot. I mean, she was the first and she's black. You have the CEO of certain companies, they still have first. This is the first woman, this is the first woman. So we have so many firsts that are still happening, firsts that haven't happened yet. So it's important to recognize that there are a lot of disparities that are happening in regards to women. So we have to focus on that 
that and understand that there are some biases that we have to start to shift away from. So let's talk about the benefits. What are the benefits of diversifying the workforce? We have to recognize that there was a, um, a global GDP. It basically said the GDP could increase 26% by equally diversifying the workforce. Aside from gender equality being an ethical and moral obligation, it is also has significant monetary gains. If the global workforce became equally gender diverse, the global GDP could increase to 28 trillion, $28 trillion. And that's why we said the benefit of diversity, because again, you're getting different minds, different experiences, people that can open up, open you up to different, um, different pockets of opportunities. Now I can come in and I can allow you to understand how your marketing doesn't cater to women. You have a product you're trying to cater to women, but really your marketing caters to men. And this is how you're going to change that. Oh, okay. You're trying to connect to the African-American community. Okay. Maybe have a black male in there and he can give you a breakdown of how to talk to them or black women. Right? So again, the benefits is so great because now you have different minds giving you their experiences. Just like I talked about last week about the generational differences and how by having the Gen Z population in there, the millennials in there, they're coming in with different experience, different viewpoints, and they're also very innovative. We see what's going on. We see the trends. I mean, right now, everything that's hashtagging is entanglement. Why is this entanglement thing going on? Well, let me be, and even for me, I made a post. I thought it was pretty cool. I, I utilize entanglement. I know that was a trending topic, hashtag entanglement, but I talked about these are the three leadership entanglements you don't want to find yourself in. So I was able to take that hashtag that was going on and be able to still apply it to leadership development. But these are ways and innovative ways that people from different generations and background and women, um, gender diverse spaces, people just from all different backgrounds, how they can open up the pockets a little wider and, and bring you into a group or a population of people that you might not be reaching because you lack diversity in your organization. So that's the benefit of it. Also in UK, so let's take it overseas. Let's go overseas, okay? In the UK, companies found that gender diverse senior executive teams notice a 3.5 increase in EBIT, right? So in regards to their earnings before interest, and taxes. So for every 10% increase in gender diversity among senior executive teams in the UK, companies earn 3.5% more in earnings before interest and taxes. Companies with equal men with equal men and women earn 41% higher revenue. When women and men, where men and women are treated equally at work, they perform better. In fact, they perform significantly better than companies who have gender inequalities. Because again, where you have different diverse minds in a room that are opening your mind to different populations. And who knows, you might say, okay, we only sell male products. But again, you still have people who have different experiences. Women, they have women that are married or got the boyfriend or they're married to you know their partner that can give you a perspective of the working dad or the spouse or give you an experience or because of their brother. Or they just give you a different um, viewpoint because hey, maybe you can get this product or this service in front of women. And now they're like, oh man, I need to get this for my husband. I need to get this for my spouse. I need to get this for my partner because you know I know this is gonna benefit them. I've seen products for men on after a, maybe a commercial that maybe is a, a show that's catered for women and the commercial is catered to men. And when I was, you know, involved, I was like, oh, I should get that for my boo. I should get that for my bae. 
So we have to recognize the benefits of diversity. And I can go on and on, but it's higher financial returns. And it's not all about money either. It's just the level of innovation, innovation change, things that may be blind spots, things that you don't notice just because you have a diverse team around. Now you're able to open your mind and see the availability of things and opportunities that you might not be able to see right now because you are functioning with a one-track mind. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Have you had an opportunity to check out my free resources on my website, AishaThomas.org? If you haven't, go check it out right now. You need to make sure that even today you have the skills to really be an effective leader, an effective coach, an effective mentor. So go to AishaThomas.org backslash free session or go to AishaThomas.org and click on free resources and get the tools that's going to help you improve those skills, those abilities, and give you that confidence to lead, mentor, and coach and take your team members to new levels. Simply removing the names on resumes gets a lot of the bias out of the way and allows access to the full talent pool of candidates. And here's some low-hanging fruit. Research has shown comparing candidates to each other rather than the imaginary stereotypical applicant calibrates our minds to the best rather than those who we think look the part. Behavioral designs like these have doubled the fraction of women on the boards of the UK's largest companies in a very short amount of time. Seeing women in leadership, whether in business or politics, changes what people think is possible for their daughters and themselves. So you know, once I give you the historical information, the data, I have to give you now. Now what? What do I need to do to make sure that I am embedding uh, mindset or making changes within my hiring practices, my recruiting practices to cater more to women and really make that gender diverse space. So one of the first things that you can start doing is analyzing your sources of hire. A lot of people utilize referrals and referrals actually is like a top source for hire. I mean, especially as you're talking about higher tier level positions. I know I do it. I know when a position opens up within my organization and the military aspect, I start to go through my Rolodex of people that I know are qualified just because A, I'm all about boosting and helping people that I know are qualified, that I know in my inner circle. I also know it's beneficial because we don't have to worry about hiring people that we don't know. I know this person, I work with them, I know they're amazing. So, hey, let me refer a homegirl or homeboy to you, right? Or this person to you because I know them. I even do that now in business. Oh, you need help with that? Oh, I have two, three people you can utilize and I'll refer them. But we also have to consider that in the referrals, we have to consider maybe the gender breakdown with referred candidates because you might have individuals that might refer more males and females. So make sure that you're checking that gender breakdown of your referred candidates and encourage your employees or people that are saying, hey, here are two people that I'm considering to be mindful of the gender bias. You might say, hey, do you know? And again, they might only know men that are qualified or they know that there'll be a good fit. But that's something you want to keep mindful of because if that is your only means, that person might have a bias and they don't even realize that, man, we are trying to make this more inclusive. So let's consider maybe in this go around, you might not utilize referrals. You might say, listen, let's just put it out, put the ad there and let's see, let's get some raw, some people off the street, some talent that we don't know just so we can bring in new talent and it's a diverse space. So 
Check your referral sources, check your sources of hire just to ensure that there's no gender bias there. Now, the second thing is chart your, out, chart your outreach and response, response rates in regards to gender, meaning track the data. This, a lot of this stuff is really tied to tracking the data because in order for you to know that there is a problem or there is a trend, you have to track the data. Data is my thing. Even again, within my organization that I work for, we've recognized that we need to start tracking the data more because if we track the data, we can go back and say, this is our issue. Even in the role I function in within my business, tracking the data is beneficial because if I know that I'm getting this type of client on this social media platform or this type of a client from here, I know that maybe I need to do some retargeting targeting or make some adjustments. So there's a benefit benefit in tracking and charting your outreach and your response rates, response rates. But we're specifically talking now in regards to gender. So keep track of which candidates you're reaching out to and make sure that the balance of men and women line up with the balance you had in mind for your pipeline. So you might have efforts, some changes, some adjustments that you're trying to make, but pay attention to that outreach and the response rate. So you can kind of see, okay, what are the trends? And you can start to fine tune and make adjustments in your market marketing or your recruiting tactics so you can ensure that you are getting that equal balance of a pipeline that your organization, your company has a goal to reach. The next thing is to really fine tune your employer brand to make sure it appeals for women, appeals to women. So I did a recent article and I talked about how we need to start recognizing and paying attention to how we market ourselves, even in our businesses and companies. People are going to our pages and they're looking at us and they're assessing who we are and seeing, okay, who do we cater to or what are our websites or our social media page? What does it speak to? But if you're considering like you want to hire people, what does your employer brand, even if you're a company, what does your company brand say? Does it appeal to women? So what kind of things you can do to start highlighting, yes, we are women friendly. We are all about gender diversity. Showcase your female employees. Showcase your black women and feature them in, in those in leadership position, feature them. Because yes, although that you might, and then also recognize, even though you feature these people, don't do it, yes. You might still recognize you might have one or two women, but if you're truly you're truly trying to have this goal to be more inclusive and, and change that change that space where you do have women that are in all types of leadership roles and all types of levels of employment in your organization, make that be a true goal because we don't want to just utilize these people as, hey, look at Karen. Hey, look at Betty. Hey, look at this person. Not realizing that there's truly no goal to really start elevating women into these higher leadership roles. So we have to really start considering these leadership positions and let's feature women. Let's say, hey, we're gender diverse. Let's start highlighting them. Them, but also make it a constant effort that you are trying to ensure that you bring in more diverse talent, more gender diverse spaces. You want that is your goal of creating that because ultimately, when I go there and I see that there's this black woman that is highlighted, I'm like, man, I have a role model. I have somebody I'm inspired by. That's the reality. Or if you see a woman in that role and you're like, man, I, I will have somebody that I can maybe connect with and really help me in navigating through this space. And although we don't really know if that's going to be the case because, you know, you might have women that have their own specific biases or they have this crab, you know, this this crabs in a barrel mentality where they don't want any other people in that spot. We don't know that. But again, ultimately, if the goal is right, if you're really mentoring, developing the people in your organization, you will know and you would hopefully have a team behind you that are truly also trying to push for efforts to have more gender diverse spaces. 
And then the last one is be thoughtful about the information that you're including in your job descriptions. Who would have known that job descriptions can be biased? And they can. There are actually job descriptions that can have a lot of masculine words. And there are things like words like aggressive, dominant, outspoken, rock star. And these verbiage can be things that can really put off women from applying for roles. And you also have to be mindful of the seniority requirements. Because again, if, if I'm telling you that only 4% of women hold Fortune 500 CEO roles, or they hold these high level roles, and you're saying that you know they have to have had this level of experience, well, there is already a bias in that area. So truly, I want you to review that because historically, fewer women have held senior positions. I really want you to look at that position and say, okay, do you necessarily want someone that has had this level or you just consider the disparities and the imbalances in there and think about the objectives your new hire will be expected to achieve? Because although they might have not ever held that position, that woman, they might have executed in that position and might have been able to hit those objectives, even if they never were able to get in those senior positions. So consider what objectives your new hire will be expected. But there's even um, a great app by Kat Matfield. It's a gender-coded language. It actually tracks to see if you have ads that have those masculine words. So you can put the ad in there, it'll decipher it and say, okay, maybe you need to tweak it a little bit and try, you know, try changing up your words. So if you want to check it out, if you Google search Kat Matfield, M-A-T-F-I-E-L-D, um, or go to my go to my page, aishathomas.org backslash blog, I'll actually have it in there and you can click the link and you can actually put your ads in there and see that, is this something that's biased? Is this job description written for a male? And again, it might not even be the intent, but it's just maybe people, again, that unconscious bias people don't even realize the wording and how they're marketing themselves and how they're putting the information out there when they're trying to recruit new talent or new or women into their organizations or companies that it's so biased and they have to make the changes so that is the reality start making the changes start considering okay let me look at how i get my sources of hire if people are referring people am i checking to see if there's like a gender breakdown. I need to check the data, chart, chart the outreach and the response rates depending on gender and, and start to highlight, okay, where am I seeing a trend? Am I seeing that referrals are mainly male and then if we go this route, we get more women and maybe switching up the how you reach out or recruit individuals because you're noticing there might be some biases in certain areas. And again, change your brand, your employer brand, your company brand, your website to really showcase your female employees and feature people in your leadership team if you have it. If you recognize in your leadership team you lack a gender diverse space, you need to make some changes all the way up to the top as well and start really considering how to start making that change. But really start considering how you're gonna to appeal to women so they're more attracted to that position because they know they have people like them there, other women, other moms, other single moms they can connect with and really help navigate this workspace because they see people that look like them. And be thoughtful about the information you put in job descriptions, utilize that site. Check to see if your ads have masculine words. Check to see if the verbiage you put on there are really tapping into or reinforcing reinforcing imbalances because women historically have held fewer senior positions. So these are things that you can implement and start looking at as maybe just new ways you can start to innovate how and change how you can attract more women and start having these gender diverse spaces. Because again, the more diversity you have in your organization, the more innovative, the more money you bring in and the more outreach you'll have because these people have great perspectives and different experiences that will really benefit your company or your organization. 
I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speakfire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces. I want to shout out all my faithful listeners for tuning in every week. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Miss Aisha Speaks on all platforms. That's M S A I S H A Speaks. And don't forget to like and subscribe, turn your notifications on, and leave a comment if this podcast has blessed you in any kind of way. I thank you for all your support. Many blessings to you.